This is the Kingdom at Hand podcast, and I am Pastor Joe Faldet. All of our sermons are archived on our website, www.hosannafreelutheran.com. We also have started a YouTube channel, and that is Hosanna Free Lutheran. And you can check out the videos there. You can also come visit us in person. We have Sunday school at 9 a.m. and worship at 10 a.m. Sunday mornings during the school year. We also have worship at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings during the summertime. May God bless you through this. Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 9. And I read in Jesus' name, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Let us pray. Father, as we come to study your word, we pray that you would take this time and that you would teach us or grant us wisdom. Father, change us and make us more like Jesus. Use your truth in our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And so I'm, I'm guessing here that... Uh, None of you are either slaves or bond servants. Right? Emily, don't raise your hand. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, so, the fact that Paul discusses slaves and how slaves and masters are supposed to interact is not Paul legitimizing slavery. Some people will say that. It's not true. What Paul's doing is he's teaching how to properly live in that situation. It was a reality in the Roman Empire. There was slavery. It happened. And so, if you're a slave, what do you do? If you own slaves, how do you interact with that? How do you treat that? Paul treats it in greater detail in other places, uh, specifically the book of Philemon. Interesting. That might be one of the reasons why the book of Philemon's in there. I was asked this week, why is, why is the book of Philemon in, in the Bible? And maybe because of the slave-master relationship, that's one of the reasons why God had it included. I, I don't know for sure. I'll have to think more about that. But um, be that as it may, as we look at Ephesians, 5, or Ephesians 6 verses 5 through 9, we, we look at this, and this is Paul talking about how do masters and slaves interact? A bondservant could be either a slave slave or someone who's there uh, willingly sold himself into this. And really the closest thing that I understand that I can see in America in 2019 is the employee-employer relationship. Uh, not quite the same, but there's a lot of parallels. And so, and even if you're not an employee of someone, you still have a master that's above you. 
And so this teaches us about our relationship with God. This teaches me about my relationship with the church and about my relationship with God uh, and about my relationship with my children. And there's a lot of lessons to be found in this. Maybe I should have split this into two weeks. Um, that's okay. So, where do we start? Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. And so this... This starts out again where we talked about children. It also affects the way that we interact with the person who is an authority above us. Whether that person be uh, a boss or whether that person be God. We default to obedience. I get told a command. What do I do? I obey first. You know, I think of something that Augustine said. Um, Augustine said, we don't understand in order to believe We believe in order to understand. And so this is how it comes when, this is how we interact with obedience, when we interact with God's commands towards us and an employer's commands towards us as well. How do we interact with that? My first step is obedience. Because I don't know, when it comes to God, I do know, but I don't know if the person that's above me actually knows more about this situation than I do. Is that possible? Is it possible in this world that somebody else might know more than we do about something? Or do, are we the, the best and the greatest and the wisest that's ever existed? You know, if I default to disobedience, then I am saying nobody else knows more than I do. I'm saying I can be a proper judge of everything in this world. If I default to disobedience, if my first reaction is disobedience, that's me saying I know best and I will only obey when you finally agree with me. That makes sense? And so humility says I'm going to default to obedience because I'm going to assume that the person who's in, in authority over me actually might know something that I don't. I'm going to assume that. I might be found wrong. But then who is it on? It's on the boss. It's on the person who is in authority. That's not on my shoulders. Sometimes people do get in trouble for obeying. But that's a sign of a bad boss, not a bad employee. And so if Kevin told his employees to do something, and it messed up, And then Kevin got after his employees for messing up, but doing it right. They'd be good employees with a bad boss. Thankfully, that would never happen to Kevin. But, you know, it would be the boss's fault, not the employees. And so, why do we default to obedience? Because it's a call to humility. We default to humility. We say, I might not know best. And you know, this is so important with my relationship with God. And as I was, you know, as we were praying about these things, um, it struck me that I can really only change me. That's it. I can't change anybody else. And the more stuff I try to do, the more I understand that. The more I really see I have, I personally, Joe Faldet, have no authority In the lives of the people that are around me. Like I can't authority as in the ability to change the the Greek idea of authority. Not the English idea of authority. Sorry. 
That's the problem when you know more than one language. You start to mess up terms. I don't have power. I don't have dunamai in the lives of other people. I have authority as in a hierarchical authority, but I actually don't have power to change. I can't change Judy's mind. Not that I've been trying to. Well, one of these days she'll come to understand. No. <laughs> no, I, honestly, I don't have any power to do that. No matter how much she respect or honor she has towards me, no matter how much, I still can't change her. That's on her. And so why do we default to obedience to God? We live this out properly to God. Because I only have ability to change myself. And if I'm living in obedience to God, then I can trust God to deal with all of the people around me. I can trust God's righteousness to properly impact them. I can't, I can't change anybody. But if I'm living in righteousness, I can trust God's righteousness. I can trust God's promise to bring good about in the people around me. Praise God. And then I can counsel them in that. But if I'm not living it out, how can I counsel them in that? So, so we do this with fear and trembling. Um, with a sincere heart. And so these are, these are three parallels. Fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ. And so the fear and trembling, people talk about that and they say, well, that means that we're supposed to be, you know, the slaves were supposed to be afraid of their masters. No, I, I don't think that's what Paul is saying. Um, fear and trembling means that there would be, that there would be, well, a fear that I would be living in disobedience towards the person that God has made my authority. And so this is an act of faith from my heart that the inner part of me would be seeking to obey, that the inner part of me would be pursuing that end, that I would be able to do this to the best of my ability, and that that would be my goal. That obedience, that humility, that... that uh, this desire to reveal Christ to the people around me through my actions, that that would be my goal, that I wouldn't fail in that. And so when Paul says fear and trembling with a sincere heart, he's speaking about that thing which guides all other principles. And so that sincerity of heart means I'm not just doing this as an eye pleaser. I'm not doing this just to show off to you guys, but I'm doing this as to Christ. That my obedience to my boss my obedience to God, my obedience to you guys. Because, you know, in, in reality, if you're a member of Hosanna, you are my boss. Hosanna is the congregation that called me. And so I am under the authority of the congregation. So, to some degree, you are my boss. Congratulations. Hope you wield that authority well. <laughs> So that I would do this as if I were doing it for Jesus. And you know, to even say as if I were means that I'm not really, but I'm just doing it symbolically. But really what Paul is saying here, not as if, but as to Christ. Because Christ is ultimately the beneficiary of your obedience to him, of your faith in him, and therefore obedience to your master's. Christ is the ultimate beneficiary. So if you have a pastor that is in rebellion towards the congregation, what happens to the kingdom of God? Is that good? 
Does that bring good things about? No, and, and I'll use a pastor because I am a pastor. And so if I am living in rebellion towards the congregation, say the congregation wants me to do things in a biblical manner, and I say, no, I'm going to do things according to Joe's wisdom, which means I probably wouldn't do anything because there's not much of that. Um, I'd just do everything wrong. But if I said, no, I'm going to do it my way. And so then I'm at loggerheads with the congregation. I'm battling the congregation. I'm living in disobedience. The congregation's going to suffer. If I'm not submitting first to Christ and then submitting to my employer, the congregation's going to suffer. Well, what if the congregation wants me to do something wrong? Well, then I first submit to Christ. And in this situation, you're probably going to run into times when an employer wants you to break the law, fudge the numbers, do things so that the world will like it instead of, you know, instead of being godly. And so we default to obedience so that we can use those times as witnesses. So if the congregation wants me to start doing my sermons out of chicken noodle, chicken soup, chicken noodle soup for the soul, chicken soup, chicken soup for the soul. They don't like noodles. Um, it must be keto or something. Uh, <laughs> got a bunch of head shaking. So if you guys wanted me to start preaching out of that, first step, I would say, I can't do that because I'm a pastor. My calling is to be a pastor. And then if you insisted, I would say, I'm going to have to find employment elsewhere because I can't obey that sort of an idea and still be your pastor. So if the congregation rebels against God, I then have a responsibility to remove myself, to correct, and then to remove myself from that situation. If a pastor rebels against God, then the congregation, if I say, I'm going to start preaching out of chicken chicken soup for the soul, sorry, if I say that, then the congregation has the responsibility as my boss, as the one who holds me accountable, to correct me, and then if I refuse correction, to kick me out. Can I make that clear? Like, this is so important. We are, we are both in authority towards each other, but ultimately it's a congregational authority that stands above me. I believe that's biblical. That is AFLC, but I also believe that that's biblical. Because it's a congregation who calls, therefore it's a congregation who's in authority above. And so you guys are answering to God, I answer to God, but you are my authority. And so I do this as to Christ, so that Christ is the beneficiary as Christ wants me to do it, and because you represent Christ. Does that make sense? Any questions? Like I know that might be kind of out there, um, not really out there, but a different way of thinking about things than people normally do. So, that's what Paul's talking about here. Why do we obey? Because that's what we would do to Jesus. And the person who's in authority above us represents Jesus. Again, this is the man shall leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Played out in the employer-employee relationship. So that's actually six levels at which that passage teaches us how to interact with other people. Um, Why? Why do we do this? Okay, so we already talked about as to Christ. And the obedience side. But Christ adds more promises to this command. 
not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Okay, we covered all of that. Knowing, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. What does that mean? That means that in Christianity, there is this idea of reciprocity. That if Christ to me, that I will receive it back from the Lord. So, we'll play out a scenario. Um, we'll say that Jim is my boss, so I'll, I'll put myself in the place of, of teacher. And Jim tells me to do something. And I do it, and it works out really, really well. You know, and then Jim takes credit for that. What happens? Jim just took credit for what I did. If that bothers me, that shows me that I'm not doing this as to Christ. I'm doing this as to fame and to claim. Jim gets a raise. I get no raise. I'm the one that lived it out. I'm the one that did it. And Jim gets the raise for it as my boss. Because what he told me to do worked out. I don't get any raise for it. If that bothers me, you know what that tells me? That I'm actually doing this for money and not for Christ. If Jim gets fame, power, authority, he gets the raise, he gets the promotion, I get nothing. If that bothers me, that says I'm doing it for those things that he's getting that I'm not instead of doing this for Christ. Because if I do this in faith towards Jesus, it doesn't matter how he gets blessed. Because I know that Jesus is the one who blesses me. It comes through Jesus, not through my work. And so this idea of reciprocity is different from a worldly idea of reciprocity. Because a worldly idea of reciprocity is, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. I'm nice to you so that you're nice to me. Here it is, I know that all of these things come from Christ, therefore I live for Christ, knowing that he will give me what I need, and what I can handle. He won't give me more than I can handle, whether that be good or bad. Usually when people say that, you know, Christ won't, God won't give you more than you can handle. What comes to your mind? Trials. Yep. Do you know that blessings can also be beyond what people can handle? I can have too much good, and so then I walk away from God. The proverb writer actually says that. You know, give me neither poverty nor riches. God, don't give me more good than I can handle. Lest I say, who is God? The idea is that you would answer that question by saying, me. God, don't give me more good than I can handle. And so if I'm looking to Christ to be the rewarder of me, then if I don't get rewards for that, that means that I couldn't handle those rewards. I couldn't handle more money. I couldn't handle a bigger congregation. And you know, I kind of believe that sometimes. Um, I couldn't handle that. So God hasn't given it. And when I get ignored, I can say, praise God. I don't have to handle the fame. You know, you think about that. 
So I do this as to Christ, trusting that Christ will bless me in the way that I can handle. And that he won't give me more hardship than I can handle either. But if I'm living in disobedience, then I'm not trusting Christ. Then I'm trying to get the fame that Jim's getting or whatever. Does that make sense? Like, this is what this means. This is how this plays out. Rendering service with a good heart as to the Lord, not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. He will receive good with no bad in it. Wow. Do you know a a promotion brings bad with it? I have more authority. I have more responsibility. Kevin gets moved up the hierarchy at whatever the name is, the place that you're working at now. Keeps changing its names. I can't keep up with it. Um, He has more people below him. Hey, that means that he's got more authority. Now he's got more lives to run. Now he's got more headaches. Because every life you run is a headache, including your own, sometimes. So it comes from God. So this idea of reciprocity, I don't do good to, to my boss so that I can get good from him. I do good so that I can receive good from the Lord. He who is faithful in little will also be faithful in much. So we do all those little things. And then Paul says, but whether he is a bondservant or is free. But I can't obey because I'm a bondservant. I don't get any good out of this. So why should I work hard? You know, I'm just an employee. My boss gets all the, all the money for this. So if we're looking at our position, we're trusting in earthly hierarchies to bless us. If, if, I, was, if I got more fame, then I would obey more. If I got more, you know, dividends, then I would obey more. If I got paid more, then I would obey more. You know, what's that saying? That's saying that I'm trusting in my earthly position as to why I should obey or not. I'm putting that as my stipulation. So that is my God and not Christ. And so whether you're a master or you're free or you're a bondservant, doesn't matter. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an employee, you should attack that job in the exact same manner. You should give it everything with a sincere heart, a focused mind. This is what God has called me to do. Whether you work for a nursing home or the DOT or you're the president of the United States, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You should attack that as if that's your calling in this world because that is your calling in this world. Trusting that God will bless you as he desires to. And that will be what is good. Sound good? Employees? This is how we approach our jobs. You who are under authority, and you are, you're under God's authority ultimately. And so this is how we approach our walk with God. Living in obedience to him, trusting that he is the one who will bring about the good. And you know that Jesus says this. This is what he means when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is our end? The kingdom of God. So when Paul says, as to Christ, he says, The kingdom of God, that's the same thing. And his righteousness, how do we do that? How do we pursue that end? By living righteously. That's our means. And so obedience is righteousness. So we approach that, we seek the kingdom of God through our job using the means of righteousness. 
So that's what Jesus was saying. This is what Paul is saying. These things are tied together. These aren't just separate teachings. This is a greater explanation and expansion on the teaching that Jesus gave there when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So it's all united. It's just crazy. Um, so to those who are authorities, if you have authority, how do you use that properly? Because if you want to use it according to the way the world uses it, fine, whatever. Don't come crying to me when it doesn't work. Because it won't. Because the world's way of authority doesn't work. It always falls. It breaks apart. It corrupts everything that it touches. And so if you have authority, and if you are a human being in this world, you have authority. Even Soren has authority. You know, at night... With his ability to cry, he is definitely commanding. We all have authority somewhere along the line. How do we treat that? The same way Paul says, all right, masters, do the same to them. What does that mean? Treat them as Christ. So if Christ was under your authority, how would you treat him? Christ was your son, how would you treat him? If Christ was your if Christ was your wife, how would you treat him? If Christ was your employee, how would you treat him? Knowing that he will ultimately stand in judgment over you one day. How would you treat him? Christ was your child, Christ was your wife, Christ was your employee, Christ was your parishioners. <laughs> how would you treat him? If Christ was your pastor, he's not, by the way. Just in case there's questions, I'm not Jesus. (laughs) He's my boss. But if he was, how would you treat him? You know, that's the question. So as Paul is talking here, he says, masters, do the same. He's saying, masters, live this out as to Christ. Imagine Christ in that position. How would you be treating Jesus? Would you be standing there threatening him all the time? Hey, if you don't get your act together, you don't do things my way, you're going to be out of here. No. We wouldn't do that. It'd be like, um, I'm going to act as responsible and kind and gentle and Christian-like as I can, doing this for Christ. So if you're an employee, if you're an employer, if you have any authority over someone else, treat that person as you would Christ. Does that make sense? So that's what the same means. Because that's what I do as a pastor. I treat you guys as Christ wants me to. I treat you guys as Christ. And so that's what I got to do as a dad and as a husband. I called to treat Aunt and Rachel and Soren as I would Christ. You know, for his sake. Because I have a master in heaven. I will someday be held accountable for this. And this is one of the reasons that Paul has to say this, because the people in Rome, if you were a master, you owned those slaves. You owned them. You didn't have to give account for them. In Judaism, though, like if, if you damage your slave, well, there's, there are consequences. But within the Roman rule, not always. Sometimes... You know, there were situations and whatnot, but I'm not going to get into all the details. Basically, they're your chattel. 
They're your property. You could treat them as you would your tractor because kind of, that's kind of what they were. But what Paul is saying here, you will be held to account for the way you treat your fellow human being. And there Paul is undermining this whole idea of slavery, actually. Um, and so Paul's not anti-slavery. Yeah, he kind of is. Because he's saying they're not less than you because they're under your authority. Your employees are not less than you because they're under your authority. You will be held accountable for how you represent me to them, God is saying. You have a master in heaven who's going to hold you to account. So whether you're a Christian or not, you've got a master in heaven that's going to hold you to account. And so out of fear towards God, we do this. Because I don't have the right to disobey God just because I feel like it. Do I? I hope everybody shakes their head no. No, I don't have that right. It doesn't matter what my feelings are. It doesn't matter what my reason is. Well, this makes more sense, God. No, that doesn't work. I'm called to obey God. And so represent him. Because I have a master in heaven that's going to hold me to account. I'm not better or worse than the person who's under my authority. And you know, as a pastor, this, this is something that, that is so true. I'm not better or worse than my parishioners. I'm not better or worse than you guys. I'm called to, you know, be a leader. That doesn't make me better. That just means I have a different place. I have a different position. You know, if, if God wanted, he could call any one of you as leaders. Maybe not any one of you as pastors because you need, you know, set qualifications and whatnot. But, you know, this is what we're called to do. It's not my betterness. It's not even a word. Close enough. You know what I mean? That's not what makes me a pastor, it's that this is my calling. So what makes the, the master the master? Is it because he's better, smarter, wiser, stronger? Better blood? No, it's because God put him in that position. And so he's responsible for that position towards God. Because God shows no partiality. Slave, employee, master, employer, doesn't matter. God holds us responsible for the opportunities that he gives us. Period. And so if you're sitting there, you're like, oh man, I've, I've bombed this. Because you know what? I have. I have been a bad employee. I talked about that before. I'm not going to talk about that again because it's sad. Um, I have been there. I have messed these things up. And you know I have to apologize to God. Some of my employers are dead. Can I apologize to them? Nope. But I can apologize to God. Because I misrepresented him as an employee. If you misrepresented him as an employer. I have misrepresented as a father. And you know, in those cases, I confess to my kids. I haven't represented God rightly here. I blew up for no reason. Children, I'm sorry. Because the beautiful thing about Christianity is it teaches us how to deal with our failures too. It doesn't say, don't worry about your failures. It says, deal with your failures. How do you do that? You confess to the one that you failed towards. And that means God and the people affected by that. And you receive forgiveness. Even if I don't receive forgiveness from my kids and my wife, which thankfully, I think they've always forgiven me. Uh, Soren hasn't expressed it yet, but he doesn't talk yet. But whether or not I receive forgiveness for them, I know that I've made it right with God. Because ultimately, 
He's my master. And his kingdom comes first. Amen. Let us pray. Father, as we interact with authority, either being the one who wields it or being the one who is under it, Lord, we ask that you would grant us wisdom to live rightly and properly. Lord, in obedience and trust towards you and wielding that in obedience to you and trust in you. Humbly relying on you, Father. Knowing that we can't change this world, but that we are an authority over ourselves. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for guiding us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen.